The Frequency 49 show is brought to you by Niner Empire GB. Welcome to the Frequency 49 show. I'm Kat Victorino and joining me today are Deepak Gohill and Steve Panda Richardson. Please welcome Steve to the show, Deepak. Welcome to the show, Steve. It's always good to have you on. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. We are thrilled to have your voice join ours in this discussion of the first game of our season. So... Sunday, the 49ers hosted the Arizona Cardinals in what was a good game and what was a bad game and a sloppy game and an icky game. And ultimately, we lost 24 to 20. Jimmy Garoppolo ended the day with 19 passes for 33 attempts, 259 yards, two touchdowns, no INTs and a 103 passer rating. Kyler Murray had 26 of 40 for 230 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and a 78.1 passer rating. Guys, you know I love Jimmy, but I'm pissed. There were three instances during that game where he threw to the first look and never saw the second or third look. One time, second and third were both open in the end zone. Comments. It's week one. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. hope that's all, that's, that's all it is. Uh, yeah, I saw them. I think everyone saw uh, a couple of them where there were people so wide open that you thought they were under social distancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I mean, the stat line reads okay, doesn't it? It does on paper. Unless you saw the game and you mm-hmm. saw that there were key throws that he just wasn't quite there. And this is a problem he's had like last year. I mean, we saw this same thing last year, didn't we, Deepak? We certainly did. And again, just to sort of reiterate what Steve's saying, if you look at his statistics as a whole, they are pretty impressive. He's got a 103 QBR rating. But... There's intangibles, and he's made the same errors that he made last season that we thought he'd work on in the summer and they'd just sort of go away. Um, and I feel for Jimmy G because this year is a critical year for his contract as well, and um, he's got to show something. And, you know, I do believe he is our guy and he can show us something, but he's got this added pressure now of, of being the guy that has to make it happen. and. Yes, all those throws that you said were were poor, but the one that really, really hurt me was the hospital throw to George Kittle that nearly took out our entire offense when he threw that ball to Kittle. And um, we don't know the status of his knee injury, but that's on Jimmy G, that throw to George Kittle. And there were a few of those. And it's not just the open man that he's missing. It's, I feel like, and... I, Granted, a lot of this is coming from my husband. I feel like he really does have a problem getting rid of the ball. He holds onto the ball too long. Yeah, but what I like about him is that, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, his his brain is like a goldfish. And what I mean by that is that his memory retention is like 10 seconds long. He, he doesn't play on his mind. If he makes a mistake, 
it doesn't chew away at him for the whole of the game, you know. Uh, I think he trusts his teammates, and his teammates um, certainly trust him if you go by the comments that they say. And that is something that, I, that is a quality a quarterback should have, is to not let mistakes control the next play and the next play and the next play. He seems to shake them off pretty quickly. The problem that, well, it's not a problem, but it's something that we should be talking about is um, he makes a lot of them. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them. And granted, he didn't turn the ball over, but there are some more signs. You know, I just hope he can get it right on the training field. But it was almost like watching the Super Bowl again, including the ending where he had open receivers but couldn't nail them, you know. Well, and you had asked in the group if we were the only ones who had a preseason talking about, you know, steamrolling off of someone's comment about how, well, we didn't have a preseason. What do you guys think? Steve, do you think not having a preseason really affected the gameplay? It looked like it. Uh, I think I've said in the, in the group, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't actually had game time with Trent Taylor and Kendrick Bourne since he came to San Francisco two years ago. And he had that wonderful streak of five games at the end of the year. So um, I remember back then when Jimmy G was first there, he had a lightning quick release. He was getting rid of the ball very quickly when he first came here. And I don't know why he slowed down. Surely that would speed up with his becoming more familiar with the offense. Um, So, yeah, I think the lack of preseason with starting quality wide receivers but not high quality wide receivers has probably affected us but i'd argue steve that in a preseason game the starters barely take between four and half a dozen snaps at the most before they come out you know i mean i know covid has hampered a preseason and it does have some value but i also think that the errors that we're seeing could have been corrected at summer camp and mini camp and rookie camp and all the other camps that we have leading into the season, you know, which, and that's the, which we didn't have a lot this year. You know, we well, didn't have OTAs. We didn't have a whole lot of mini camps. They had the one in, in, uh, I want to say Kentucky, but I think that's wrong, but they did have one in the off season where a couple, couple people had tested positive for COVID. They did have, um, one right before training camp started and then they had training camp. So it's not like they had their full off season program. Like I said, Kat, it's, everybody else had the same issue, didn't they? It wasn't, it's not just an exclusive thing to work. To to a degree, you have to remember the states, each state was responsible for setting their guidelines for that. And the sports teams had to go by what was going on in their state. So there were times when other teams were able to do mini camps and OTAs when we did not. Yeah, but having said that, I, I, I do think it was a factor, but I would hardly say it was a deciding factor in um, a sloppy team performance. I know we're having a go at Jimmy G, but really opponent of what went wrong. It was the entire performance that was sloppy. And it is a little bit unfair just to, to blame it on him. Defensive secondary needs to take a lot of blame. You know, some horrific play calling. There's a lot of blame to be passed around. I just don't want us to dwell on... <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's a lot of balls that were dropped. Yeah, the receivers were targeted but didn't make the catches. Poor refereeing calls, I thought, on the late hits. Um, you know, so it's a number of things. But you know, Jimmy G was a part of what went wrong. He's not the only reason why we didn't win. You know, 
<laughs> we need to make that clear. <laughs> Can we talk about the play calling, though? I feel like there were a couple plays that were called in crucial situations, especially in that fourth down play, where they didn't even make the, the play go past the, the, the yard marker. Yeah, was that play I calling mean, or was that execution? That's play calling there, Cap. You put your jumbo package in there and you line it up with double tight ends and all that stuff. Um, we didn't. And the execution was also terrible. So it's two things. We went in wrong with the wrong shade and executed poorly. When two things go wrong at the same time, the third thing is not usually a positive outcome. And you've got to respect Arizona's defense as well. They knew what was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you can't make a foot in the NFL, you're doing something very badly wrong. <laughs> Absolutely. I learned so much about the play calling. I'm not an expert on that. There were a few where I thought we we could have called, we should have called them back, um, or maybe taken a time out and looked at the worst situation we were in. The one foot line, we either go quickly, or we take the time out and make sure we get it right. But I'm glad that Shani went for it on fourth down rather oh, so. than kick. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm not. I'm not saying he should have kicked it. I think that was the perfect, perfectly good thing to do because at that point in the game, we needed the touchdown to get the momentum coming back our way. Because we just middle of the game, we were only scoring field goals. Getting the touchdown would have just swung it back our way a bit, put more pressure on Arizona, and we could have won the game. Hundred percent, Steve. I totally agree. I mean. Everything just went to hell after they special teams play where they blocked the punt. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that one I and, think uh, was a special play by Arizona. They spotted something in our lineup or um, did a stunt, I think, which confused well, our line. Again, the kind of, these are the people who you think they're going to know it, but without a bit of training time, they can only do the vanilla stuff. <laughs> But I think at half time we've shown Arizona enough for them to realise we don't have to do anything special to beat them anymore. We just play high percentage error free football and we're gonna win this game. And that's exactly what happened. Well and we've always had a bit of a struggle against Arizona. I mean even last year both of our wins were, were tight games. Yeah. But we I think we have to give Arizona some props. Um they are definitely a much better team than they were last year. They've improved they were improving last season as well. Add to the fact that they're a little bit of a bogey team for us. DeAndre Hopkins, they made some great acquisitions. They're going to be a, a strong, strong candidate in the in our division, certainly. And I, I do respect Arizona. They were a difficult, difficult opponent for us on, off their own merits, not just because mm-hmm. we had a bad But they are a good football team. Yeah, the bit that surprised me with Arizona was they didn't do much with their offensive line over the offseason. And it wasn't a great offensive line, and yet they kept Kyler Murray quite clean. Yeah, they did. Um, I actually wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit, go back to the offense real quick. I was anticipating Jets' return to the NFL. And so let's talk about McKinnon. Uh, his rushing for rushing for like, Sunday was three for tw- three carries for 24 yards, eight yard average. His long of 16. His receiving yardage was three for 20, 6.7 average, a long of nine with the with the touchdown. 
a kickoff return for 16 yards, you know, I, what do you think? Does he look good or is, is he just kind of gearing up? You have to really think of him as a rookie all over again, don't you? He's not played for three years. Exactly. So uh, those aren't bad numbers. Um, but uh, yes, I think we always have to give the benefit of the doubt for someone like this who hasn't played for three years. So yeah, he's gearing up, you know, let's see what else he can do on, on Sunday against New York. Well, hopefully he stays healthy and he it's because it, I found it exciting, you know, to see him on the field. We've been talking about him for what, two years now. He hasn't played. We've we've been waiting. We've been waiting. There he was. And he made a couple nice plays. It was great. Yeah. I mean, he's, he got us down to the one foot line, didn't he? I was thinking, mm-hmm. just give it back to him. He, he needs that <laughs> touchdown. Uh, and I was so happy for him when he got the one at the, the throw later on. But that's what you're going to hope for Jet, from Jet each week, isn't it? Yeah. Two catches, reasonable uh, average on the runs, and Moster and some of the others picking up the slack with the run game. I've got no problem with that. I think it's, if he can stay at that kind of level, then that's a decent investment for us. So I'm curious why you guys think we didn't get the pressure on Kyler Murray. He's, he's a greasy little ferret. <laughs> But it really felt like our defense just did not have the pressure, didn't have the gas in the tank to get to him. Do you know, I was watching our defense try and contain this guy and go after him. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of that scene in Rocky, you know, where he's training and Mickey goes, Rock, chase the chicken, catch the chicken. And Rocky's running. He just cannot. That's what it reminded me of. You're right. How's the scene from Rocky? Oh, dear. I, <laughs> I, I noticed this as, as a problem we had last year uh, when we were playing Baltimore, in that the defense or the defensive scheme, I don't know which, has a big problem with mobile quarterbacks. And it showed up again in the Super Bowl. We've got Russell Wilson, we've got Kyler Murray in the division. It got shown up against Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Uh, it's going to get shown up again later this year against Cam Newton. Uh, we need to address that. We need to find a way of stopping these mobile quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're in trouble. A friend of mine said to me, the only way you beat Seattle is if Wilson's not playing. Wilson could play by himself with no one else on the field and it'd still beat you. And grudgingly, I agreed with him because it's true. That guy is just unstoppable. Any mobile quarterback we have no answer to. And and I don't understand why that is. Because we have edge speed, for sure. We've got Bosa on the end. We have quick players. We're one of the fastest teams in the NFL. Why can't we stop a mobile QB? I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't I get think it either. It's our rush lane discipline. I think we've got too many people trying to make a play. And I noticed it on Sunday. We left massive gaps in that line where someone went the wrong way. Or went, no, I'm going to try and go this way. And we left a big passing lane. He just ran down. So we need to keep rush gap integrity. I totally agree with you because I saw that too. A misdirection and all of a sudden he's got open field in front Mm -hmm. of him. This is because players want to lay out a big hit, you know. And, And again, I'm going to tie this in with those two penalties that went against us for late hits. On both occasions, the defenders 
were committed before he slid, right? Yeah. And that's a cheap penalty because if he wants to be a running back, he can expect to get licked like a running back. I don't accept that penalty. Yeah, I don't, I don't like those penalties either. Quarterbacks yeah. do not get the protection if they're going down head first. That should right. never have been a flat. But if he wants to be a running back, he's he has to be treated as a running back and, and no longer a quarterback. I'm not saying he, he, he deserves no protection if he's out of the pocket. That's not the same. But if he's running and he's scrambling, guess what? He's a running back. And if he's going to – he deserves to get licked like any other running back does. And yeah. there, there, were, there were bad penalties because of the rules of the game. It's not – I don't <laughs> think there's a rule. Need to be tightened up on that because – Well, yeah. Very much protect the quarterback. I mean, they are all about protecting that high-dollar, high-salary player. Well, if they want to do yeah. that, that's fine. But don't let them be running backs then. Exactly. Don't let, them, don't let them block. Just let them throw or stay in a pocket, and that's it. Or put those little flags on them. Once you tear that off, the place was... <laughs> it's either that or a non-contact jersey over the top. Yeah. That's the way it's going in the league at the moment. They've gone overboard on that whole protection thing, you know? Can't have it both ways. If you want to, if he's a QB, then be a QB. If he's a running back, he's a running back. If he's a receiver, he's a receiver. That's it, you know? So Richard Sherman played more snaps on the right cornerback position than the whole of 2019. Can you believe that? He played 23 plays as opposed to 12 as his average for 2019. Holy crud. And then Hopkins versus Sherman. I love looking at these matchups Mark Lyon put together for us. 14 routes, four targets, three receptions for 22 yards. That's a 27% target rate. Hopkins versus Mosley. 22 routes, 11 targets, 10 receptions for 96 yards, a 50% target rate. So they're definitely trying to avoid Sherman. I saw Sherman in his press conference after the game. And he said the reason he was moving around more was he was going to the open side. As opposed to just staying to the right-hand side where he normally sits. Or is it the left he normally sits on? I can never work out which way they call it. <laughs> uh, is it from the offensive point of view or the defensive point of view? Right. <laughs> um, whatever side he's normally on, he was shifting around because there was one side more open than the other, was his excuse for shifting. And yet I feel like he needs to just play to his natural side. He kept their offense honest, if that means anything. you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and he's, and he's on the IR for three weeks. Yeah. yeah. A minimum. So Hopkins' 14 receptions were a career high and the most by a Cardinal player in a game since 1962. He totaled 151 yards on those 14 catches and was the second most number of catches from a single player against the 49ers since 1950. I think the defense has a little bit of work to do. Honestly, we haven't had a stud receiver since Anakin Bolden. We, we haven't had one. And I was watching Pittsburgh in New York on Monday Night Football and I'm thinking... Yeah, I dislike the Steelers, but I give them one major prop. They know what they're doing when they draft wide receivers. There isn't a better team in the NFL that knows how to draft a receiver than Pittsburgh. We need to do what they're doing because I'm telling you, we need 
an alpha male, a stud receiver, so badly on this team. We really, really need one. Now more than ever, you know. Sanu is like that signing we had last time with last year with um Sanders. Sanders. Yeah. Yeah. Is someone else? He's come from Shanahan's system. He's a veteran. He, you could normally rely on him for six, seven hundred yards a season. And if we can get that's, that type of production out of him, that's what we're going to need, just to free up the others, I think. Yeah, and I, I actually think that that was a very savvy signing. I know Nathaniel was saying, why don't we sign Mohamed Sanu, you know? And, and we ended up getting him. And I do think it's a great signing, good veteran acquisition. But here's my thing, you know, he's with us for a year and then gone, like Emmanuel Sanders was, you know. I want us to either draft one or acquire an FA, that is a stud receiver, is going to be here for a long time, not just a good time, you know. I want us to have at least a couple on offense because the way I see it, George Kittle is literally 80% of our aerial offense, apart from this game, because he's injured the entire second half. But we've got to have more to our aerial offense than that. Mark Lyons states uh, he's seen a lot of things saying Kendrick Bourne is a number three receiver at best. But he wants to know, is he actually much better than he's given credit for? He's, Mark noticed, as as we all did, two occasions when he was open for a touchdown. Yeah, I, you know, Mark, I, I do agree with you. I, I think he is a little bit better than he's given credit for. I mean, there's another stat. Only two wide receivers for the 49ers made catches. The rest were running backs and tight ends. You know, Kendrick Bourne was one of those wide receivers. I do think he... He's a solid number two, right? I think a number three. I'd like to see more of Bourne, you know. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he made a few drops last season in big games. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to work on this and I'm going to get better. And, you know, true to his word, he did improve. He did get better. So, but but now we've got this problem with we're struggling for receivers and defensive backs now. You've got to, you've got to make do with what you've got, you know. And, and as long as they do their best... That's fine by me. And I think he, he did all right, you know, all things considered. But the, there's so many different elements as to what went wrong on Sunday. You know, it's true. Do you think Sanu's acquisition will be a benefit to Bourne? Do you think he'll learn more and improve under Sanu's tutelage? I think the team spirit that we have is one where it sort of fosters mentoring. You know, Richard Sherman came in being the bad boy, but he turned it around and made it into an environment where we thrive because he's willing to give his learnings and his wisdom and, and work hard with, with rookies in particular, you know? So I like to think that we've got that spirit in the locker room where somebody like Sanu walking in will recognize that and help pass on his wisdom to, to his teammates. Yeah. And it was the, it was that kind of locker room mentality that I thought was, was definitely the reason we were not going to get, Odell Beckham Jr. He's not that kind of locker room presence. He's not that kind of player. He's the one that is there for the good time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad we didn't sign him in the end. I know there's a lot of people saying they wanted him because they want the big name. But I would much rather have a Kendrick Bourne than an Odell because yeah. he can do his job. I challenge that. I can hardly say the locker rooms he's been in are conducive to bringing the best out of anybody, the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns. That's not really a measure of a great locker room. <laughs> yeah. 
under the right locker room, maybe he could thrive. You know, there are certain players, if you put them with a certain coaching crew and certain teammates, their attitudes change. It is about attitudes. It's not about the talent. It's the attitude. And uh, who knows? The right attitude could could make a human being. I'll give you a good example. Do you remember Vernon Davis? Oh, what heck single- yeah. What did Michael Singletary did to him? He turned him into a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a incorrigible it was a horrible person in the locker room but we we did it with that guy if you can do it with that guy you can do it with anybody you know yeah and i was just thinking of another example would be randy moss when he went to new england before that he was just i am randy i am the greatest yeah but you hadn't got anywhere near a super bowl which is what he wanted um and then when he does that he becomes that I am the veteran, I am a good veteran, and he showed it with that record-breaking year of his, as I recall. But part of me thinks OPJ is on the on a real sort of 50-50 part of his career where he's either going to hit the next level or he's just going to become another bog-standard receiver in the league. You know, I think he's at that stage now where it's going to be one. Or the other. He's, he's either going to become Terrell Owens or Chad Ochocinco. <laughs> yeah, and I think if you want him, you wouldn't give up much in terms of draft choices for him. I think he, he could be there for the right team, but we don't have the money anyway. So it's, nah. We are up against that cap. But adding Sanu, looking at his career line... 118 games played. He's had 403 receptions for 4,507 yards. That averages out to an 11.2 average. Uh, 48 of his receptions were over 20 yards. He's had seven over 40 yards and 26 touchdowns in his career. Uh, If you want to talk a little bit about the rushing that he's done, he has done some rushing. 41 carries for 223 yards, a 5.4 average. Two rushes of that. We got it down. Uh, he's had three runs over 20 yards and two touchdowns rushing. Um, he even has a 114.9 passer rating. So, I mean, he's he he fits the bill of a veteran player. And um, what I'd like to see the 49ers do with this guy, and it's something we don't do that often, is actually throw a deep ball. Right? You throw the deep pass, a couple of things, three things are going to happen. You're either going to be incomplete, it's going to be overthrown, underthrown, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be intercepted, or you could get a PI. And I think we've got decent players. I'd like us to throw a deep ball a lot more often than we than we do. I think we have everything to be a bit more aggressive with our with our receiving offense, you know. And and this guy, I think he could be the guy that could could do that. He's got the maturity, he's got the experience, he knows how the game's played. Um, throw him a deep ball once in a blue moon, you know. What have you got to lose? Nothing. Especially yeah. if he goes up and catches it. <laughs> Actually, listening to those stats just then, they kind of reminded me of uh, Debo. And I'm just having this wonderful thought in my head. Imagine Debo and Sanu on the same side, uh-huh. running double, triple reverses and confusing the hell out of somebody. How fun will that be? Or, or even just Sanu taking on a reverse going the other way and throwing the deep ball to Samuel. I love those kind of plays. (laughs) I think because of his versatility, we can start do, we might be able to start doing that kind of thing. We rack up big yards in our passing game. 
But uh, I think it's it's fairly. I'll be honest. Most of them are yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is what got shut down on us Sunday. Yeah. 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 Well, second half especially, but mostly yards after the catch. You know, why not air it out and and let them run? Good things can happen when you throw it deep. Well, it's a good thing we added Sanu because Samuel was put on the IR, but he is eligible to be designated for return after the third game of the season. So cross fingers that that happens. Of course, we already touched on the fact that Sherman was is going to be out at least three weeks as he was put on the IR. We also have Akello Witherspoon, who, who backs up Sherman, currently going through concussion protocols. So our secondary is going to be interesting this week. John Lynch has been busy. We've signed a few defensive backs, um, a couple of practice squad players from other teams, to, to plug the holes. And Dante Johnson, he's been promoted in, from the practice squad into the into the first team. Uh, we have got problems at defensive back. In fact, when we had no problems at DB, we were weak in that department anyway. So, mm-hmm. thank goodness it's the Jets. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. This is where our defensive line has to step up and the pass rush has to make it through because we are weak on the back end and they're going to know this. Um, In a roundabout way, I'd rather we lost to the Jets but beat the Cardinals because we need that advantage going into the playoffs. Yeah, the division, totally. So, you know, but... Yeah, and I shouldn't really say that. I, I sort of feel like taking it back, but it's only the Jets. You have to respect them because you never know. They could turn around and bite you on the bum. That's Real why hard. they play the game. Uh, so <laughs> well, to be fair, I was looking at the power rankings on NFL.com, and Dan Hansus, who is a Jets fan, has them ranked at 32. Wow. So, even if he doesn't rank the Jets at all. Dang. No pressure on us to beat them then. <laughs> well, I don't think we need we should be looking past them, period. The no, Niners no. do lead the series versus the Jets all time uh, 10 to 3 with wins on six of their seven visits to New Jersey. Our last meeting was a 23-17 win for the Jets in week 14 of 2016 in Santa Clara. Uh, that's when Carlos Hyde and Sean Drawn with the touchdowns before the Niners blew a 17 to 3 halftime lead. Wasn't that when Chip Kelly was coach, so it doesn't count. <laughs> oh, we don't count that year. Okay. <laughs> I'm not counting anything before Shanahan at the moment. They don't have LeVon Bell, but guess what? Frank Gore is going to suit up against us. Wow. <laughs> oh. That's going to break hearts. Oh, mine is already crying. You know what, though? Frank Gore can still get it done. and that's Oh, yeah. Yeah, he can. That's why he's still got in the league. That's what's scaring me. (laughs) And uh, I'm not relishing the thought of of having to play against him coming at us from the backfield. No, I mean, he is that that beast and he will run over you and he will make you look silly. Um, I just hope he doesn't do it too often. Well, offensively, the Jets are 23rd in the NFL, averaging 17 points per game and 30th in total yardage with an average of 2.54 yards per game. So they're 31st in rushing, 25th in passing. So that probably explains their ranking quite a bit right there. 
Niners sit 19th in the NFL, averaging 20 points per game and 16th in total yardage at 366 yards. We're 16th in rushing yards and 14th in passing yards after week one. Again, we're looking at week one stats. Yeah, it doesn't mean a lot this time of year, does it? Yeah, I know. It's hard, but you know, we're here. We have an audience. We need to talk about these things. I think the Jets are going to be an unfortunate punching bag where we show what we should be doing and what we can do. Um, I'm really hoping that the team's going to look at that performance last week and go, we are better. Let's show it. Let's prove it. And the Jets are just the poor, the poor people who are in the way. We have to win a game eventually this season, and it's going to be on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not being arrogant when I say that. We, we are going to win on Sunday. It might not be pretty, but just respect these little ones at your own risk. You know, you have to respect your opponent. I'm sure the guys will respect them. But week one, we lost it. I think we won a Super Bowl once when we lost on opening day. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not yeah. the be you know, I believe we were three and four going into week eight and then ran the board in 94. Was that it? Yeah, <laughs> I, I seem to remember something similar to that in 90, around on that Super Bowl run. We didn't have a good start to the season. Mm-hmm. I, uh, well, okay. To be honest, what really stands out in my mind First, Steve Young getting pulled from the Eagles game and chewing out George Seifert on the sideline. And then the following week, crawling off the field because he had gotten beat the crap out of. I believe that was the Lions. I believe we were in Detroit at that time. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's it's been done before. It's early in the season. It's not time to panic yet. But obviously, we have some things we're concerned about. We do, and I think one of the things is a super, super difficult division. I think all the teams in our division could honestly be 11 and 5 in any other division. Mm-hmm. And they could mm-hmm. all be 11 and 5 in the same division. You know, I think the NFC West is probably the toughest division in the NFL this season. I think all, all of the teams are just bonkers good so it's going to make for uh, these little games intradivisional ones and makes them very very important and i will i anticipate to see a lot of split games within our division yeah i think the division crown is going to go to the one team that wins four division games and goes four and two in the division Uh, i can see that if we hold at home and then win one of the away games uh, unfortunately, we just lost at home, so we're now behind the eight ball. Yeah. We've yeah. got to win out at home and pinch a couple of the away games. Which can be done. We yeah. just have to be smart about it. It can be done, but you're going to have teams that potentially got records and that won't make the playoffs that have got better records and divisional champions in other conferences and divisions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's going to be teams that won't make the playoffs, even with the extra wild card. Oh, yeah. That would win divisions. Well, fortunately, we are opening. Well, I don't know if it's fortunate or not, but we are opening as seven-point favorites against the Jets. Does that speak to us or speak to the Jets? <laughs> I think it speaks to the fact that people, then people are going to be looking at this thing and 
Okay, the 49ers got caught flat-footed. They're not that bad. Jets are. <laughs> 100%, Steve. I, I think that is a really accurate reflection. I mean, the Niners, you could say, had a bad day at the office, but the Jets are intrinsically bad, and they've got their own problems, you know. Fortunately, they're not our problems, if that makes <laughs> Fortunately. sense. Fortunately. <laughs> exactly. Well, well, guys, it's time to play our favorite game, the two-minute drill. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah, let's I go. have two minutes on the clock. We're going to begin. Steve, as I write these questions, Sherm has just been placed on the IR. Are we cursed with the injury jinx? No more than any other team is, I don't think. Yes, we've popped injuries, but all, all teams get them. And I think it shows to the class of the 49ers that we do overcome them. Do you think the Debo injury is more serious than first thought? It's really hard to say. I think he's on IR for three weeks, and, but that's a minimum, so it could be longer. It may not be longer. We'll just have to wait and see. Steve, do you think Coach risks Kittle against the Jets? I I think he will. I think Kittle will play. I think he will make a couple of catches. And if we're if we're sitting pretty, he'll maybe get pulled out if he needs to. But I don't think you're going to pull George back without strapping him down to a chair. Deepak, did our lack of faithful at home make it easier for Kyler Murray to go no huddle? Um, yeah, I mean, on third down, you can hear a, you can hear a crowd crank up the noise. So I think that that is a difference, and a lot of players have said in the interview how awkward it felt you know we'll have to see how it is being an away game an away team on third down you know it does make a difference granted steve of the rookies who impressed you the most um of our rookies um well we didn't actually see much of the the, the rookies did we uh no we didn't kinlaw i've I don't remember seeing him on the line. I don't. Uh, I wasn't in the game. I can't remember any of the other rookies, to be honest. <laughs> Deepak, the defense was on the field way too long. Has Coach Saul dropped the ball in terms of new scheme and plays? Um, I don't think he's really dropped the ball. I just think he hasn't figured out how to contain a mobile quarterback. Uh, with reference to the Arizona game, we do have to give Arizona the correct props. They're a good, well-organized, well-coached football team that executed better. So uh, it's not just us dropping the ball. They are a good side. But yeah, Salah needs to figure out how to stop a mobile QB. And we are well out of time. Gentlemen, any other thoughts? Please improve third down offense as well. <laughs> no kidding. That was disgusting. That was horrific, wasn't it? I mean, our third wrote, down efficiency was two for 11, 18%. That is just sad. So, what are your predictions for the, the outcome of this week's game? Are we all on board? Niners are going to take it to the house? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. You think it's going to be a blowout? Be a We're going to have a 10 point clearance at the end. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think. I agree with Steve. I think we're looking at over a touchdown win because, A, we are a good football team, despite what we saw on su Sunday. We are a decent, strong team. We're a marquee team in this league. 
despite the lack of coverage that we get. And the Jets really are that bad. So um, it's, it's hard for New York to keep this down to within a score. Well, that's all I have. It's time to say goodbye, boys. Thanks to Audionautics.com for the music. Thanks to Andy Mitchell, Daryl Nils Handman, Deepak Gohill, Graham Ross, James Little, Jason Argo, Mark Lyon, Nathaniel James, Neil Jepson, Paul McDonald, Rob Newell, Ross Irwin, Simon Holdsworth, and Stephen Box for all the work they do on the show and in the group. My apologies if I missed anyone. And if you would like to be involved in the show, just let us know. We're always looking for members to help out, contribute, or appear on the show. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Niner Empire GB, and on Facebook, search for the group Niner Empire GB. Be sure you check out the Frequency 49 blog on Podbean or your favorite podcast site. You can also email us at Frequency49Show at gmail.com. On behalf of Deepak Gohill and Steve Panda Richardson, I am Kat Victorino. Enjoy the game Sunday, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.